All right. Thank you, worship team. You guys can have a seat. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Alpine Church in Riverdale. I'm glad to be here with you on this Easter Sunday. And this is the third service for the day, and I am still on this spiritual high, along with probably four cups of coffee to get me to this point. But man, I hope you guys got some breakfast today. We have breakfast out there. It'll still be there afterwards if you want to eat after. But uh, And also, uh, we have this cross here with all these lilies on it. We would love it if you'd come and take a picture, post it on social media, tag Alpine Church Riverdale, uh, do something to remember us and, and have with your family. That would be great. Now, We've been in this mini-series called The Week That Changed the World, and it's very fitting because Easter Sunday, Easter weekend, is something that the whole world has heard about, right? Not everybody believes it. As a matter of fact, I will tell you, the majority of people in the world do not believe the things that happened on Easter Sunday. There may be people here in this room today that do not believe the things that happened to Easter Sunday. Maybe you got uh, drugged here by your uh, family, right? Maybe you were dragged here today. Maybe you're coming to appease something or, you know, so that, so that you can get, you know, uh, something out of it in return. Maybe you came. Maybe there's candy that you were hoping for. <laughs> the kids get candy, by the way, uh, as they're in kids' church. And so kids, if you didn't go to kids' church... Missing out on some candy. But, but I would rather be in here if I were me. <clears throat> now, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that we've looked at over the last week. We've talked about Holy Week. And last Sunday, we actually talked about Palm Sunday. And this was where Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem near the end of his ministry. And what we saw is that most of the people there did not understand who Jesus was and what he came to do. They had a partial understanding of who he was, but they didn't fully get it. They didn't fully understand. Same thing on Good Friday. People were confused. That theme is going to play out all the way to today as we walk or look at this walk to Emmaus, the disciples after the resurrection, they're still confused by all this stuff. Jesus dies on the cross. They thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was going to come and, and set up his rule and reign right then and there. But then he dies and it causes everybody to be confused. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here on Easter Sunday. Uh, you've heard all the stories about Jesus. You've heard the Bible stories you, are, you grew up going to church, maybe a part of uh, you know, Christianity or a different religion, and you've heard these stories, but it still does not make sense to you. Therefore, it has not uh, been a high priority in your life. And now I'm not trying to guilt you at all, because I think all of us have been at that place in our lives at some point in time, not knowing what to do with Jesus you're in good company because the people in the Bible did not know what to do with Jesus on this weekend. But if you stay there, I believe that that's a very dangerous place to be. To not seek after a full understanding of Scripture. To not find out who Jesus is and what he came to do means where you're going to go for eternity. You can continue to reject it and, and do what every, a lot of the people in the stories that we've looked at did, or you can accept it. But the reality is, is you can't even really accept this with all the academia, with all the reasoning, with all the logic in the world. Um, 
it's still not enough to get a full understanding. And we're going to see what that means and how that plays out in the story today. What do I got to do then to understand who Jesus is? Well, we're going to learn from these guys on the walk to Emmaus how they were struggling to understand this whole concept of the death and resurrection of Jesus and how Jesus comes and he opens their eyes and he helps them to understand through the scriptures all about what the scriptures say, who Jesus is and what he came to do. We're going to be in Luke 24, um, starting in verse 1. We're going to recount exactly what happened on the morning of Easter Sunday. And it says this, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen. This is where that famous quote comes from. Many people have said that to me today. He is risen. Amen. You'll see it on your social media feeds probably today, right? He is risen. And, and what's going on here is that he died on Friday night. He was crucified uh, on Friday. And then they buried him, but they didn't finish the job. And so it says that uh, they came with spices to finish the job, basically. Because sab the Sabbath, which is Saturday, that's what Sabbath means, they uh, were supposed to rest on the Sabbath. That, that was what they had to do under their, their law and beliefs, the law of Moses. They were supposed to rest and not do any work, especially bury someone who was dead. And so they're coming back to the tomb, and it's the women who get this honorable role to be able to be the first eyewitnesses to find out that Jesus is not there anymore. He has risen. And the, these angels speak to them. And so what do they do? They go and run and tell all the other disciples, and the disciples don't believe them. And, and so the disciples come, um, Peter and John, they run to the tomb, and, and they see that, that he is risen, and they're confused, and everybody's confused, all right? Maybe that's you. Right? I'm just confused at this whole thing. Um, and I think that, again, we're going to learn from these guys that you don't have to stay there, and there's a way to get out of this confusion this is where we come to these two guys. It says that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? So these disciples are walking back to their home, possibly in Emmaus, and it's a seven-mile journey. This would have taken several hours, and Jesus from far off, or because he's God, knows exactly what they're talking about, can hear them arguing, because that verse where it says, as they talk and discuss, that word actually in the Greek also means to debate and argue. And so even these two guys, they're arguing about what had happened, right? Nobody really agreed but everybody didn't have a full understanding of who Jesus was. And Jesus, for some reason, keeps them from seeing that that's Jesus walking with them. Now, I don't know why he did this, honestly, and I'm, I can't 
you know, make anything up. I could tell you that maybe, you know, maybe he was doing this to test them because they were Jewish people and, and in the Jewish culture, they were supposed to have memorized the Old Testament of the Bible. And certainly the Old Testament have, has a lot of prophecies about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And if you've ever thought about this, like the, the crucifixion and everything and how he was wrongly accused and unjustly uh, killed for crimes he didn't commit um, and, and the, the, by the, or handed over to the Romans by the most religious the people that were the scribes and the Pharisees that would have known the scriptures better than anyone. The question is, how didn't they see what they were doing was wrong, right? How, how didn't they see it? How, what, what was going on that nobody could understand? The, the, and the, the amazing thing for us is, is that we're so blessed. We're so blessed because in hindsight, we have the fuller picture. We have the whole story. You know, Jesus said this at his resurrection um, to the disciples one time. He said, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet still believe. And he was talking about us. And I just wanted you to know, you know, one thing that I'm very passionate about and I love is, is the word of God. And here at this church, we... We believe that the word of God is true. It is without error. It's infallible. It is complete. We don't need to add anything to it. It has everything we need to know God, to have salvation, and to live a godly life. It's all in this word, all right? And so um, by this word is how we get to know God. And by this word will we find out the truth about how he wants to know us, right? And so... Uh, Jesus is going to use this word because that's what Jesus does. He uses his own words to teach his people the truth about him. But the, the crazy thing is, is they didn't get it because there's something more than just studying in academia that needs to happen. Here's how uh, Jesus asked them, so what were you guys talking about? What things are you arguing about? And they, they, they reveal their ignorance by what they go on to say. These disciples on this walk um, reveal that they don't quite fully know the true identity of Jesus Christ and his purpose. And I know ignorance is kind of a, a mean word. All it really means is lack of understanding, to not know. Ignorance is definitely what most of the nation of Israel was experiencing at the time. And so Jesus continues to question them, and they start to tell them like what they believe. Here's what we believe. Here's our understanding of who Jesus is. It says, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and this all happened three days ago. In their sadness, they're recounting the things that happened. And you know what? They had a lot of things right. You know, maybe you're here today and you might have quite a few things right about Jesus. Maybe you know people in your family. You know, maybe another kind of faith or religion that they have a lot of things right, but not quite enough to have saving faith. Not quite enough to know the true purpose of God and to believe 
in Jesus Christ. You see, they had a lot right about this. Let's walk through this. They believed that he was a man. That is something that we believe as Christians. We believe that Jesus Christ was fully man. He was born of a virgin, and he was a, a, an infant baby, born like us, just like us, right? He grew up, and he suffered and died, um, and has been through the same things and temptations like we have. They believed that he was a man. They believed that he was a prophet, and that he was. A prophet is really one, a person who speaks to God's people with authority. And he certainly told prophecies. He was a miracle worker. You know, uh, John, his disciple, says that he did so many miracles that if, if we wrote them all down, we wouldn't be able to, the books couldn't contain all the miracles he did. They were certainly right about that. And he was a mighty teacher. He was able to even confound and um, impress the most religious elite teachers of the day. And here's the one they were wavering on. And we had hoped that he was the Messiah. You see, he was fulfilling all this stuff, all, their, all these expectations that they had. They had a lot right about Jesus, um, except for the fact that they are wrong about the suffering that he had to go through. They didn't understand. They thought that this king was going to come in and save them from Roman oppression, right? And wipe the Romans out and get them out of this, this country, this land that God had gave to them specifically. They were waiting for a king to rise up and, and lead them to victory. And then they watch him die. And it's like, what's going on? We're confused. It's because they missed in the scriptures before he would become the king of kings, he would be the suffering servant. Even Jesus responds in irritation, it seems like. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have suffered all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is the part where it gets exciting for me. I would, I would love to put myself on that journey. What was Jesus going to teach them, right? Jesus is about to teach them some things that they just didn't know. Um, and in their humility and in their excitement, as Jesus is walking along for hours, he's probably telling them all kinds of things, recounting all kinds of scripture. And finally, they get to the end of their their journey, and they ask him, we need to hear more. We want to hear more, right? Come and, and sit and, and eat with us. Maybe you've been there before where you've been excited about God's word. You felt a, a burning passion, and you're like, I need more of that. But you just didn't take it to the next level. Well, these guys take it to the next level because at that moment when they break bread, it says that Jesus suddenly opened their eyes. Suddenly they could finally see who Jesus was. And that leads me to believe that only God can open our eyes to see who Jesus really is and what he came to do. Only God can do the work of saving faith. We can't conjure it up in our own willpower, in our own academia, in our own study, in our own religiosity, you know? You know, part of the reason why we come to church on Sundays is not to please God. You know, God uh, is already pleased with us by our faith. 
We come to learn more about him, to love him, to worship him because we want to do it, because our hearts are burning within us with passion to know more about God because he did something in you and me. If you're here today and you have that faith, you should praise God for that because it was a miracle from him that happened. He somehow opened your eyes. If you don't believe me, think about all of the people in the entire world, even now, that have all the evidence they need and they still reject God. Why? Why is that? Because there is a blindness that people are born with. You and I were born with it. We've all been born with a blindness that we can't see the truth. And so therefore, people whose eyes haven't been opened continue to uh, remain in disbelief. The Bible says the God of this world, Satan, blinds the minds of the unbelievers so that they can understand the good news and the things about, about Jesus. That's the state that all people are in, and God has to come and do something to give us a fuller picture of what these words mean. I bet you there's a lot of people here that tried to open the Bible, and they started reading, right? It was like, Whatever reason, you were just like, you know what, I need to pick this book up and start reading it. And you started getting through it a little while, and then you're just like, started falling asleep, right? This is boring. I'm going to go play video games or watch a movie, you know? Or, or, or thank God they made a movie about the Bible, so I don't have to sit there and read how boring this is, you know? Maybe that was you, right? Um, uh, but something has to happen inside of you it, it, to, to, to want to see it, to be excited about it. It's like, have you ever, uh, you know, been to a 3D movie where they had to give you those, those glasses, you know? I don't know if they still do those, uh, but, you know, that was a cool thing when I was like a kid, you know? And, and I remember that if you didn't get the glasses or if you took them off, it would be really irritating. The screen would irritate you because it would... It wasn't the way it was supposed to be, but when you put the glasses on, you could see it. It was exciting, you know? If you're watching Jurassic Park, they'd come right out at you and like almost bite you or something like that, you know? And, and, and so that's kind of what I think of when, when having the glasses, when having the eyes to be able to see the fullness of the experience that God wants for a person, we have to be able to have our eyes opened by Jesus first, to want to understand these things, right? And so for us, it's a, a desire to, 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 to hit our knees and say, God, give me understanding, open my eyes, give me faith. This is why we make Easter Sunday such a big deal, by the way, because we want people to, we hope that God, through the reading of Scripture, will, will do something in people, do something that, that my words can't do. This is why I love to read you Bible verses and not sit up here and give you some kind of self-help message, right? Because the Bible is better than my words. My words don't help anybody, very, very rarely ever, but the, the words of God have power in them because they're very, the God's very breathed words for us to understand some things. Only God can open our eyes to see who Jesus really is. So what the disciples do, they're excited. They finally have kind of the fuller story. And you know what they do? They run all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples. Uh, the ones who had written a lot of these, 
a lot of the books in the New Testament, you know, the famous ones, Peter and John and James and all of them, they're back in Jerusalem and these guys run back and tell them, look, we saw Jesus on the road and, and the ones that were closest to Jesus didn't agree. They, now they'd had the women come tell them and now these guys on the road to Emmaus come tell them and they're still confused. They're arguing about it in this room and at that time Jesus shows up in the room and maybe you've heard the story where he shows them the wounds in his, in his wrists and his feet and in his side and he says, it's me, I'm here, he eats a piece of fish. And now he's going to, to tell them exactly what he told the guys on the road to Emmaus. He said, when I was with you before... I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, as I, the Bible doesn't go on to tell us like what Jesus talked to them on that road to Emmaus, like I said, but I could only imagine the things that he was saying because the Bible is very clear about Jesus having to suffer and die and rise from the dead. And so I want to share with you what I think Jesus was probably sharing with them. He says he went through all of the scriptures from the Old Testament talking about the things concerning himself. So he, like it says in the Psalms, he must have went to Psalm 22. Starting, and this book was written a thousand years before Jesus ever stepped on the scene. And this book says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now who said that? Where did he say that? On the cross, right? Jesus says these very words on the cross, and if that doesn't help you enough, in verses 7 and 8, it says, All who see me mock me. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. This is exactly what they were doing at the foot of the cross. They were hurling insults at Jesus. Uh, even the, one of the criminals was saying, let, your, let the God, let his God save him. These very words, and it's crazy to me as I think about it, these very learned religious people didn't understand when they're saying these words, which they would have memorized, that, that it just didn't hit them. Why? Because they're blind. Verses 16 through 18, they've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. You know that they cast lots, the Roman soldiers, for his clothing at the foot of the cross. Jesus probably would have taken him to Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You see, some people don't want to see Jesus for who he truly is. They want to make up their own version of Jesus, the health, wealth, and prosperity Jesus that becomes your cosmic Santa Claus that will give you all the gifts that you ask for when you ask for them, right? And, and sometimes you wonder, why does God let me go through bad things in life? And when he does, I'm mad at them, him, so therefore I'm not going to worship him. I don't want anything to do with religion. And this is common, if you're in that place, these guys were too. All of this is very clear that the Messiah must die, must suffer. And if the person who we follow had to suffer, then certainly we can't escape it in this world. Jesus said, there will be trials in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I want to share you, with you verses 9 and 10. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. That could be talking about how he was killed alongside the wicked criminals. 
and yet buried in a rich man's grave that was donated to him at the time. Um, it says, although he had no, done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, you know, he was wrongly crucified and killed for things that he did not do. He was sinless. He did not deserve this. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. You know, oftentimes people think, ah, that's a bad thing that happened to Jesus. And, 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 but God made the best of it. But the reality is, is no, this was the plan of God from the beginning of time. He was going to send his son to be the sacrifice for sins. You know, time would fail me if I was to go on and on about, you know, how the law of Moses that he talked about had this sacrificial ritual of having to slay a spotless lamb to take away the sins. This was all pointing to Jesus. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. The book of Hosea says that God will raise us up on the third day. And pointing to Jesus one day, being the first, the forerunner for his people to raise up. So many things in the Old Testament that point to Jesus, the truth about who he is and what he came to do. And here's what Jesus does again to all the disciples. He says, it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. So the call once a person understands this, is to repent, to ask for forgiveness of sins. The Bible does tell us that all of us are sinners and we've all gone our own way. We've all decided that we believe, what we believe and what we feel is better than what God says in his word. And to repent is to change my mind about that. To say, you know what, I've, I've lived a certain way and I believe certain things that were against God's way, but I'm changing my mind and, and I'm going to agree with God that I am a sinner and I want to go his way and live for him now. That is the call that God has put on the world to do. And, and the sad thing is, is even though so many people celebrate this weekend and so many people in the world know about the story and Easter Sunday, not a lot of them truly believe who Jesus is and what he came to do. Not a lot of them will admit and repent of their sins and ask for forgiveness and believe that the death on the cross was enough. So many people taint this story with too many things added, works added along, instead of by faith alone and grace alone and Christ alone. And so to not have a correct understanding of Scripture is a dangerous thing. But then again... As I said, we need God's help with this as well. One of my favorite verses, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You know, what's beautiful about this is first, that last sentence, Jesus' death um, and resurrection is, is not the end of resurrection, it's just the beginning. 
His promise and our hope as believers is that one day too, our bodies are going to be resurrected from the dead. Even though they're wearing out and some of us are sick and, and we've got people that we know have, have passed away, one day all people will be resurrected from to the dead, some to everlasting destruction and some to e- eternal life. And so certainly shouldn't we be searching these books in this Bible here? Shouldn't we be attending to hear and, and sitting under teaching? Well, yes, but you can't even have the desire to do that until God draws you, till God opens your eyes, till God gives you this understanding. You know that word uh, draws actually in the Greek, um, there's another place in the Bible where it's used, and it's used to talk about dragging Paul and Silas to jail. And so in, another, in, in other words, you know, no one can come to the Father unless, some, unless he drags, drags you to me. You know, now, let me just say this. You know, drugs are bad, all right? I don't do those anymore. They're not good for you, okay? But there's one drug that I believe all people should participate in, and it's being drugged to church. Maybe you, were, maybe you were drugged to church here today. You know, I think that's a good thing. Parents, drag your kids to church. But more importantly, let's hope that God drags us to him. Let's hope that God drags our loved ones. We don't have power over that. All we can do is, is share God's words, but Jesus did come. John goes on to say in a layer later, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. This is a fuller picture of who Jesus is that Jesus has to give us with the words. You see, there's a, a connection of the words of Christ with the spirit of Christ to help us understand the love of Christ so that we want to live for Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful mystery to be able to stand here on an Easter Sunday and say, I get it, I believe, I'm excited, there's a fire in me, and I pray that that would be you out there today. My last verse is this. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. That is exactly what Jesus did and their faith came about. So let us not neglect hearing the words of Christ. We must put ourselves under the word of Christ every time we have, every time we can. But sadly, that you know, Satan has a plan to get us to not do that. There's so many other more entertaining things out there in the world so many other beliefs out there in the world that take our attention away. But certainly, if you're here today and and this fire burns within you as you hear these words, my prayer is that you would not let that dwindle out, that you would not let it go, that you would drop to your knees with me today and say, Father, give me the faith. I need that faith. Draw me, drag me to you. Do whatever you gotta do. I know I've been stubborn, Lord. Help me to follow you. Because sadly, most people don't follow Jesus and understand the truth about who he is. 
He is God in the flesh who had to suffer and die and was resurrected from the dead to save us from our sin and raise us from the dead one day. A lot of people have a lot of ideas about who Jesus is and what he came to do. But today I proclaim to you that scripture tells us that this is who Jesus is and what he came to do. And my hope today, the last service here on Easter Sunday, is that these words would pierce your heart and that you would take this seriously. That you would consider what is it that you believe about Jesus. Do you have him who is true? Are you in him who is true? He is the true God and eternal life. Pray for the faith it takes to believe and understand if you can't connect it on your own. That's why we gather together as a church on Sundays and many days in between. Because we want to know what these words have to say. These words that he gave us. So if you want to be a part of that, I invite you to keep coming back. For those of you who are already a part of my faith family here, I pray that this encourages you, strengthens you, and motivates you to continue on the fight, to fight the good fight, and to go share this message with everybody you can. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you today so amazed at who you are, all that you've done, the plan of salvation, the greatest story ever told that not a single mind, human mind could, could make up. Help us to remember that first our Savior was a suffering servant, and then he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Help us submit our lives and our minds and our hearts to him. Let today be the day that marks a change, an opening of our eyes, an opening of our hearts that we'll continue to pursue him, to search out his word, to be with his people, to commit our lives to serving and loving him because he gave us this free gift of love, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. I pray for people today who don't know you, God, that the faith, the drawing that it takes, give them that today so that they can have eternal life with us. Bless us as we leave here today and help us to follow your words. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.